Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 134, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, one large school district didn't let students return from Christmas break without an update to their vaccination records and why a $569 million school bond in Texas has been in question for more than a month after the election. Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, Global School Play Day is just around the corner. Our guest explains why you should dedicate a day to unstructured play. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by Ed Orgeron's spiritual advisor, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are you doing? I'm pretty fantastic coming off a great win last I night. Know. How about that? Did you watch that game? Uh, half of it. You know, I'm sleepy by nine o'clock. <laughs> I'm like the weirdo in my family. My brother, his fiance, my dad, they're all like diehard LSU fans. So this has been a good year for them, clearly. Yeah. And I don't even watch college football. And they're oh. just like, yesterday, they're both like, you got to watch the game tonight. Like you can tell, like they're like genuinely excited about it. It's all that's on their mind. I'm excited all day. It was on my mind. Called my husband. Okay. Do we have all of our refreshments? It's right. just him. him and I is our thing and by eight o'clock he says I know you're not sleepy I am I fought it as long as I could you you started back uh with school I guess about a week ago that was that first week back it was an interesting start to 2020 it was a really tough week I think that um when you take a long break and for the first time oh I was so good to myself I rested 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 I'm talking absolutely zero stress Hung out with my family, read a few books, caught up on some shows, yeah. stared off into space, just, you know, went to the bathroom what when was I your felt like show? it. What was your favorite show you watched over the break? I'm always looking for recommendations. Um, Shit's Creek. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's funny, right? It is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, my husband called it corny, but hey, I loved every bit of it. Yeah. And um, so then going back to work and it's like full speed ahead, it's just like long days, but it was a really good start. It was just long days out the gate. You know, basketball games were a middle school also. Right. So trying to get my clock back on. Yeah. So so you told me you had to go do a basketball game. That's a principal duty, right? Like yes. not because your kids. How, right. How often... You as a, a school leader, are you like tied up with after school activities well, that have nothing to do ex- with your kids? Let me give you an example. Last night I had to attend a school board meeting. We also had a game away that was about 20, 25 minutes from the school. Right. Um, and then this Thursday night we have a parent literacy night, but we also play an away basketball game. And so my assistant principal and I, we have to split duties. So I'll, I'll be like tonight, I'm headed to a game. It's about an hour and a half, two hours away. And I'll be there and kind of we'll be like wrapping up the game and I'll look over and sometimes I'll see an administrator from our school. That's right. Like two hours away and they don't have a kid on the team. They're just nope. like hanging out. It's part of the responsibilities. That's a lot. And then ask. after you can't just dash to your car. You're supporting the coach. You're, does every child have a ride home? Right. That's are, really why you're there. Yeah. Are there any parents taking their child from the field? So then you got to make sure they're signed out. Right. Ooh, yeah. uh, be prepared if there's an injury, who to contact, what, I mean, what's the protocol? That th- that type of stuff makes up for any time off in the summer like that's that is 
Oh, you, are you referring life. to my two and a half weeks? Well, exactly. And <laughs> I'm, I'm more referring to the the naysayers out there who are like, oh, teachers have the summer off. Yeah, but but they, they really don't, don't because right? there's a ton of professional development. You right. have to remember summer school, exactly, um, extended learning. And really the workshops, because that's when you earn your continuing education credits, Um, some required, some you just select on your own. But either way it goes, we have to continuously, you know, build our craft and keep learning. And on top of that, there's nights where you have to work a 14 hour day. Yeah. And then you carry home a lot of paperwork. Teachers are lesson planning. They're grading tests. They're preparing tests, um, grading assignments, doing research. Um, It's it's a lot. Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the teacher's lounge. Uh, What's going on around the country? Speaking of reporting back to school, over in Seattle, they finally have it figured out. They decided back in December that they were not going to allow students to return to school unless they had all of their required immunizations. What's interesting about this is that they let it go on this long. They had over 2,000 students in their school district that they could not account for um, being up to date on immunizations. Well, what's interesting too is it didn't happen at the start of the school year. They they decided to do this like you, you go home for Christmas break. You're not coming back. And, if you and don't I'm have sorry, where shots. was this? In Seattle. Seattle. Okay, so this is a major school district. Major, fifty three thousand students total. Wow. And so I I wonder what the results were. I know that you probably came across this on the front side, but uh, but here's what's so here's some good about it though. Mm-hmm. One, they said, okay, we know this is going to kind of cause a little bit of uproar. So they put a lot of information out on the front end, like at the very beginning of Christmas break. Right. Um, they put out phone calls and literature to remind parents, but they also connected to the local health department or providers and had what you want to say, many clinics set up on campus to be able to provide those immunizations to the children so the parents didn't have to figure it out, go out of the way. Um, you know, t- to me, at least they tried to provide the free service for them. So really, what's the excuse? You're right. And, and the funny thing is, um, I know a lot of people from around the country, like Mississippi kind of has that, like it's last in a lot of things. Hey, but we're first in that. Because we're first in this. Don't even think about trying to register without your 121 form. In fact, I pulled a story from U.S. News and World Reports, um, and it was about California, I think, trying to step up their immunization rules. And um, it was going into the states that actually lead the nation with the percentage of kindergartners with, you know, the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccination. And Mississippi is number one, (laughs) 99.4% of our students have had that vaccination. And, and so how do we get here? Like, why is it a, a progressive state? It's interesting. Like, you think progressive would, would think modern medicine, but it's not necessarily the case. We're it's a, a state reverse of, of that. rules and regulations, and we follow them well. And That's pretty much I what just, it is. I don't understand how, like, California or uh, Washington, in this case, with Seattle, you know, these are forward-thinking areas, but it's mm-hmm. almost like so forward-thinking they thought for a while we don't need to vaccinate. I, I can't believe they're waiting to now. It is it is a little bit surprising for me. Other states, if you're curious, that are do well with vaccinations, Maryland, 98.6%. West Virginia, 98.4%. Again, West Virginia, kind of like us here in Mississippi in terms like of us. the reputation. Mm-hmm. And, and they're leading the way. Uh, New but, York's um, also does well. But my question 2. is, 
Is that a requirement to register your child for a new school year? Because that is why it works in Mississippi. Right. And they walk in the door. Hello, how are you? We need proofs of residency. We must have your immunization. We must have a birth certificate. And I will say in Seattle, one thing um, that made to help parents feel a little bit more comfortable is they didn't have to have proof of insurance. It was free immunizations mm -hmm. and they did not have to prove citizenship. And that might be a big issue in certain states like right. the states on the West Coast. Right. Um, when you think about their high population of immigrants and, you know, transient students. And so if they didn't have to prove their status, they didn't have to have insurance, that probably helped out a great number of children needing immunizations. But what about those parents who are concerned about what they think research says about the impact of immunizations on the development of a child? Right. And so we, we've all heard the the theories um, never really, as far as I understand, to be proven by science, but the fact that, you know, a vaccination can lead to autism, right? True. Some, something within there. And, and that's what you hear a lot of people say. Um, so but I guess that's kind of We're talking about the greater good. And, you know, parents, I think, should have the right to decide what happens with their children. But at the same time, when you do that, then those attending public schools should be able to be protected mm -hmm. from diseases and situations that could cause, you know, a health health scare. And so those parents should have the, the privilege to homeschool their children if they don't want to do immunizations. But when you enter the public sector, um, you know, it's it's best to have some type of collective system in place to ensure that um, all children are safe. Yeah, and that's a good point. I actually saw a post on Facebook that had kind of gone viral where this, if she was a nurse and she had posted this post about the flu vaccine, which right. is, you know, you don't have to do it to nope. even go to school. But so a lot of people do, a lot of people don't. But it made a good point in the sense that don't get the flu vaccine because, oh, I don't get the flu, I don't get sick. Get it because you might be around your grandmother who might be more likely to get sick or someone's right. child who might have a weakened immune system or somebody who's fighting cancer. That's right. Um, and you might come across these people. So the, the fewer of us that are have the flu and are just carrying the virus and spreading it all over the place, you That's might right. be helping out in that regard. And in that regard also, don't come to work. Don't go to school. Don't go to Walmart. Stay home and get better. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what's the... Uh, I actually, I, I'm a big Disney World fan, and I have a, a trip planned coming up in a few months. But oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, because really, if I had time, I'd probably do a Disney podcast. But um, We'll I, get to that. Yeah, right. But there's probably not a place that in the entire world that like brings together more germs than Disney World. If you really, I agree. Like, no one talks about this, but I mean, we're flying in to this one central location and we're touching rails and surfaces and riding in the same vehicles. Like when we go, and I know I might just be paranoid. Just being in the airport. My wife's like pure rail after every ride, just kind of like passing it around, drying out our hands throughout the trip. But yeah, it, it's like an airport, but at airport, but I would say even amplified some. I've got a story for you out of Texas, and it's um, involving the Midland School District um, there, and they just passed, or at least tried to pass, a very large bond issue. It's, I know when a local county here passed one, I think it was forty-three million, and I know another county up. In North Mississippi, it was like 150 million or somewhere around there. And that one, North Mississippi, was considered large, but they just tried to pass a $569 million bond issue in Texas. Wow. So, so they had the vote, and it has been, this was in November, late November, and it is still not resolved till this day. 
because what happened was apparently they had the vote. It was short 25 votes. And then it, they did a recount, ended up passing 11 votes. And so everyone was like, okay, pass. You know, we're going to have this bond issue. And then a missing ballot box shows up with 800 and some odd ballots in it. And I think they need to scrap the whole thing, wait a year, and try again. Well, so right now, here we are in January. So again, this was late November. This election happened. They just, um, both sides, if you will, who are bringing legal uh, mm-hmm. arguments to a judge, have agreed that the 836 ballots that were missing should be counted. And But it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be valid. First, the judge is like, well, let's just see if it would even change the election to see if we need to fight over this I or not. I got a quick question. Go for it. Where was the box? Come on, man. I, I don't know. This is like hanging chads in Florida back in 2000s. Exactly. And the fact that, that it, it turned up after the votes went from one direction to the other is suspicious. Fishy, fishy. But, it, but it's also other elections, too. You know, it's not like this was just a school bond election. This was in November. There were other elections locally that were affected. So you. it really does kind of make you wonder. But when you're talking about $569 million at stake. That's major. It is major. And so you need to, um, you know, handle the process with fidelity. Exactly. And then you're talking about taxpayer money. It's going to impact the economy. You got to get that right. That is a huge bond issue. Right. Uh, do you happen to know what what improvements there? No, I, I haven't. Really, I think maybe. It better include in, education, the be, facilities or something. Because <laughs> it's in Midland and I don't know how strong their news presence is there. I've I've struggled to find follow-up stories. I was just able to find one today about the fact that a judge has ordered that this these oh, ballots will be looked at. probably trying to keep that on a low radar because that can get out of hand. It, it really can. So here we are. It's over a month later. Still no results. Um, we'll keep you posted on that one to see please how that. Re- please keep up. Make sure you tell me because I'm that's curious. interesting. Hey, are you familiar with um, Global School Play Day? No. Okay. So this is um, a day where everyone is supposed to sign up for this event, and it's going to be on February 5th, 2020, and you're supposed to play at your school unorganized, no electronics, no teachers telling you what to do. It's basically just a day, a full day. There's no class of play all day long. And like absolutely zero instruction, zero instruction. It is unstructured. Okay. That's field day. No, 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 no. It's not field day. We do that in May. It's not field day. Cause we, we, that is structured. Like they have parents and teachers behind it. And we actually sometimes have, I've always had structured field day. Yeah. The only structure we have is that putting it in stations so that there's way more fun than just the playground that's already on campus. Right. But no, we just let them just hang loose. We have some fun competitions. It's a pretty open day. But to, to lose a full instructional day to all day play? Well, our oh. guest today is actually going to respond to that Good. response right there. I, I need to he, know. It is um, GSPD coming up, and our guest is going to talk about it. Last year, they had over half a million participants from around the world, and uh, they're aiming for a million this year. So uh, oh. are you ready for this bright idea? I'm ready. I'm ready. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is a two-time guest on Class Dismissed. California Principal Eric Sable talked to us last summer about grading reform in episode 112. But today he's joining us about an initiative that made a big splash around the world, and that's Global School Play Day. And it's right around the corner. Eric, welcome back to Class Dismissed. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be back talking with you. Now, a Global School Play Day, I'm assuming that most of the people listening to the show have probably heard of it, but let's assume they haven't and just kind of give like a brief um, wrap up of of what exactly it is. What do the teachers and the kids do on this day? 
So Global School Play Day is one day out of the school year, always the first Wednesday in February. And this upcoming February 5th, 2020 will be the sixth annual edition of Global School Play Day. Uh, what it's predicated on is building awareness about the critical importance of unstructured play in the growth and development of children. And when I say children, I mean zero to 18. I might even extend that to 22, uh, and I might even throw the adult world into that too. Um, it was inspired by the TED Talk given by Dr. Peter Gray, um, who's somebody that uh, your audience can look up in psychology today, amongst other places. But his TED Talk is a foundational uh, really call to action for us um, the uh, the founding team that decided, you know what we need to do? We need to get schools around the world to dedicate one day out of the year to hand it over to the children, to let them have a supervised but unstructured day of free play, again, because of those tremendous benefits backed by tons of research and science on how the human animal needs to grow and learn through play. And exploration. Now, you, you said um, founding member, you are one of the founding members of GSPD, right? That's exactly right. So um, uh, I was really fortunate um, back in the fall of 2014 to have connected um, via uh, social media and, and through different educational channels um, with Scott Bedley, who's a fifth grade teacher uh, down in Southern California. And we started kind of talking about this and I had heard about uh, Dr. Peter Gray. And so we were, we were kind of chatting. Well, what Scott did was went and talked to his brother, Tim, um, who is another um, incredible uh, fifth grade teacher down uh, in Southern California. And in that conversation, sort of came this this spark, um, sort of the light bulb went off. Um, and they said, hey, why can't we just challenge schools to dedicate one day out of the school year, 180 days, at least here in California, um, to give over to the kids for unstructured play. And uh, that first uh, year, of the, the spring of 2015, um, we kind of hoped that there would be a thousand kids that participated. Um, and it was amazing to see with about a month of promotion on Twitter and Facebook, um, we had 65,000 students wow. participating on six continents. Didn't get Antarctica in there. But we're still working on that. <laughs> well, and so, and, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, like, just so I want people to understand, like, there there are rules or guidelines to to a, a GSPD. Like, there's what, like, you can't bring an electronic device, and this is the whole day, right? Like, kind of give us those rules. No, absolutely right. So, um, well, and again, like any rule, <laughs> rules are guidelines, right? And, um, so, the first thing I want to encourage your listeners to do is find our webpage. It's real simple, uh, www.globalschoolplayday.com. And on that, you will find um, Dr. Gray's TED Talk. You will find the button that lets you sign up for 2020. And you're also going to find um, some guidelines, some suggestions and recommendations that we have as a team for how to engage your students in this day. What we recommend is to put away the devices, um, is to not have any adult-driven structure, and to make it all day long. So, um, and, and, and it's also important to note that we also understand that that might not necessarily work for every school. 
Some classrooms might decide to join for an hour or a half day. Some uh, environments might say, well, we're going to do kind of a mix of some, you know, sort of structured uh, guided play and some time for our kids where they can maybe have some some room to explore on their own. All of it is fine. Um, but if we really are going to open up the space for our children to be able to explore and play and connect and even have some conflict and resolve that conflict and to have to make up a game and get bored with that game and sit around and then until they decide to make up a new game. Um, we really feel strongly that one out of 180 days for the school year is really not much to ask for um, in the grand scheme of things. And what we hear again and again and again in the years now of data that we've collected from the signups around the world is that this is a day that their kids look forward to, that oftentimes we hear this is absolutely the best day of the year. And, and the adults are saying that too, because they're not just going off to grade papers. A lot of times they're coming in and, and acting as participants. They're taking direction from the students. They're getting a chance to interact with their students in different kind of ways, um, playing games, playing music, going outside, playing sports. I mean, because it's in uh, February, of course, that summertime down in the Southern Hemisphere, some of the most incredible images are, you know, the kids doing uh, slip and slides down in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, up in Minnesota, they're building snowmen. Right. So it's, it's really a special opportunity but the first thing that any classroom, school, or district needs to do is just really um, take that first step. It might feel kind of risky, um, but uh, what we see and have experienced is that things don't uh, devolve into chaos. Um, the kids feel truly empowered, and they really, really love the experience. Well, and so what's the takeaway? I mean, you, I guess you've watched your kids do this for four years in a row now and and so like what do you how do they change after this day are the teachers different are the students different in any way so again the the premise of the day is to build awareness about the importance of unstructured play i think that we know that in this society um, more and more children's lives are planned and scripted um, and i'm not saying that i don't support or we don't support as a team things like organized sports I mean, a lot of us ourselves are, are coaching youth sports um, and, and other kinds of structured activities for kids. Th those are great. Um, but still, those are directed by adults. And, and getting back to the research from Dr. Peter Gray, um, there's this idea that's kind of crept into American society and education over the last 50, 60 years that things need to be directed by adults for them to have importance for kids. And that is simply not true. Um, it's not that adults don't have a value add to the development of young people, but we also need to make sure young people have the time and space to explore the world on their own um, in an appropriate manner. And so, um, so the first and foremost, it's a day about building awareness. We understand that one day out of the school year is not going to um, create sort of this entirely new paradigm. But I think what we see, and actually it's been five years and this will be the sixth, what we see is that it helps build a real culture at a school and even across a community whereby there is a greater value placed on connecting 
face to face, person to person. Um, kids put down their screens and hang out with each other, and they hang out in different combinations. Adults put down their titles as teacher or principal or parent, and they come into that play space as just another participant. So the impact that I have seen has been just a, I think, a real tremendous uh, upswing in the energy and and collective spirit around that shared experience. And I'm, I'm really proud to say that Marin County Office of Education has formally adopted Global School Play Day as a countywide movement, if you will, um, which is also appropriate because this is, along with Orange County, is one of the two places that it originated. So, um, so I think that the impact is personal, interpersonal, uh, social, physical, uh, and also it's organizational because it's communicating to the children that, you know what, we value academics, we value other structured opportunities to learn and grow, but we also value you, your creative potential, and your right to just be a kid. I know it's probably been a little while since you've watched uh, Dr. Peter Gray's TEDx talk, but was there something in there, even if you're paraphrasing, that just kind of stood out to you that was kind of like an aha moment when you were listening to it? So there's about a hundred, but um, I will boil it down to two. Um, first is um, he cites the science of how mammals develop, all mammals, and play is Uh, evident, clearly evident in how young mammals grow and learn. Young mammals of essentially all species play. In play, they develop fit bodies, they practice physical skills that are crucial to their survival, and they also practice social and emotional skills. By playing together, they learn to cooperate with one another, they learn to be in close vicinity with one another without losing their tempers, very important for social animals to develop. In risky play, they learn to take risks, to to experience fear without losing their heads, uh, uh, a lesson that can save their lives in the course of a real emergency. Researchers have conducted laboratory experiments in which they've deprived young animals, usually this is done with rats, but sometimes with monkeys, have the opportunity to play as they're growing up. And they've developed ways of doing this without depriving them of other social experiences, at least with rats, they develop ways of doing this. The result is that when these young animals develop, they are socially and emotionally crippled. We have those exact same biological needs. And the science is clear and definitive. Um, that's, that's something I think that's really powerful um, for all parents and educators to hear. And secondly, he really recounts his own youth, um, and he's uh, uh, you know, was growing up, I think, kind of in the uh, in the the thirties and forties, and he talks about just how much more freedom kids had then to just kind of roam around and um, and not have kind of adults telling them where to go and what to do at all times, um, and he's not trying to uh, wax nostalgic about how that was a better era or how he's better than kids are today. His commentary truly is is trying to be a reflection on how we're organizing our society and how the lives of children are impacted by that. Um, And and again, this idea, this schoolish view, as he calls it, um, that it has to come from adults for it to have value to kids. 
I'm kind of speaking off the cuff here, and I, I don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'll try. I, I want to say just when I look over the past decade or so, or two decades, it seemed like there was uh, a de- decrease in play tied into school and recess, and then there was kind of an outcry. And then I want to say I, I even heard like Michelle Obama was pushing play, and then we saw the NFL get behind it. I mean, what have you seen just even over the past five years, have you seen the idea of GSPD grow and then dip or is it just up, up, up? Or where are we? No, that's, I, I, uh, agree a hundred percent with what you just said. I think that the awareness around this is, is on the rise. And, and, um, for, I mean, I have a colleague who, uh, before coming to my school, uh, Hall Middle School in Larkspur, California, um, he worked at another middle school, just a little way south of San Francisco, a middle school with no recess, no recess. Mm. And this is in 2016, 2017. Wow. And so um, th- there have been uh, a lot of examples of schools um, that are not only implementing recess, but putting in multiple recesses. In fact, there's um, in, in Finland, uh, as I understand it, in general, the structure of the school day is 45 minutes of learning, 15 minutes of free time, 45 minutes of learning, 15 minutes of free time. Mm. Um, so, and, and again, as you said, um, there's been a, a lot of um, big voices that have been making this push. And let me share something too um, from the fall of 2018, the American Academy of Pediatrics, a major organization nationally recognized, published a paper called The Power of Play. I'll share the link with you later. A pediatric role in enhancing development in young children. And I'm going to read this one quote uh, in their abstract. Play is not frivolous. It enhances brain structure and function and promotes executive function, i.e. the process of learning rather than the content which allow us to pursue goals and ignore distractions. Mm. I mean, if I were to tell somebody why Global School Play Day is important and I only had 10 seconds to tell them, I'd probably read them that sentence. So first and foremost, um, the thing that's really exciting about the awareness about play is that it's directly connected to the health, well-being, and positive learning outcomes of all children. Two is in terms of our particular movement, and we by no means are the only uh, movement um, that involves building awareness around play and outdoor play. In fact, we've had a lot of fun connecting with other like-minded local and some global efforts to do so. But our numbers in terms of student participants, in terms of nations participating, has gone up every single year. 65,000 students year one. And last year, 2019, 535,000 students in 72 countries. And so it's now we would love it to see 500 million. I mean, there's (laughs) a couple billion kids on the planet. But we understand, too, that um, a lot of times ideas take time to spread. Um, But what's been really powerful is that we're seeing this idea continue to grow across the globe from India to Colombia to Africa to Australia, um, to, uh, Eastern Europe. Um, it's, it's amazing to see, um, just how far spread, um, this idea has been able to travel around the one day of the school year. And what do you say, or have you ever received any pushback from parents who were like, no, 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 they, they need to be learning. Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I feel fortunate to, uh, live and work in a community, um, that, 
understands uh, fundamentally um, the importance of kids having that opportunity to play. In fact, um, one of our sister elementary schools um, built itself, it's a, it's a newer school, around Dr. Tony Wagner's idea of play, passion, purpose. Um, and his work is really around um, how to build kind of the next generation of innovators and how education needs to transform itself away from a model of compliance to one of really unleashing uh, student creativity, human potential. And so, um, so I feel really lucky to be in this type of setting that has supported this kind of work from day one. I do think, and we have heard some examples of some environments where, you know, that might be kind of frowned upon or, yeah, okay, you know, spend an hour on it and that's fine. And then get back to the books. So I do think that, um, this movement is growing slowly but surely um, because it really does fly in the face of again back to peter gray this schoolish idea of of childhood development that it has to be driven by adults um, so if you're a school administrator or a teacher or a parent um, who wants to get involved in uh, the life of your child's school what i would say is this is take that risk and give over that one day to the students um, and go in and participate yourselves. Um, but there is no harm done in doing what science dictates, what evolution has, <laughs> has mandated over hundreds of thousands of years of uh, human development um, and let the kids play, let the kids be kids. Well, and so let's say I'm a principal and I go, oh, you know what, we already have field day. And, you know, we organize this and then it's, it's all these activities. How is this different? Oh, I love field day. I mean, I look forward to field day, put me in the dunk tank, get me the squirt gun. Um, let's go play some Frisbee. Um, the thing that's different about this, first of all, we were very purposeful in identifying uh, the first weekend in Feb uh, first week in February, Wednesday in February, uh, my apologies, because in general on school calendars, it doesn't conflict with anything. There's no state testing. There's usually no semester or trimester break. There's no build up to graduation. Um, it's smack dab kind of in the middle of the school year when oftentimes energy starts to wane and we're kind of all a little bit in the pits. It's really dark outside. It's cold. Um, and so, you know, in part, it's seen as this opportunity to come together and celebrate and connect as a school community. Um, but also too, the unstructured nature of the day, at least our, our strong recommendation to make it unstructured is very different because, um, as you, uh, as you mentioned, something like a field day, uh, does have its, its aspects of freedom, but there's also more of kind of a structured, right. Parents um, and teachers are behind to it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. They're behind it. They're running the activities, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, so those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And, um, and again, uh, uh, we feel really strongly again, one day out of the year is great. But by no means should schools stop there. By no means should they see that as having reached the pinnacle. Play is something that um, I would argue needs to be incorporated into the life of kids every day. Well, Eric, this is something so cool that you guys have been doing. I love to see that, you know, it's continued to grow over the past four years. And as y'all move into year five, so I guess the next logical milestone would be like, can we get a million 
participants to do this. That's right? exactly right. And that's, that is our clear goal for this year is to get to a million fingers crossed. It may not happen, but what matters is that what we're seeing is year after year, um, we have teachers and schools and entire school districts. Um, for example, Tustin Unified down in Southern California adopted this last year as an entire district. Now, for the first time ever, an entire county, Marin County, um, that has adopted Global School Play Day as a signature practice. Um, that Those are the kind of commitments that we're seeing year after year. And, and really, it's going to be as much word of mouth is it's going to be somebody coming across this on Twitter or Facebook or on a blog post somewhere or a podcast. <laughs> is is there any registration fee or are you just signing up? Oh, this day is 100% free of charge. And let me uh, go back to our origins. And there were other educators um, that were a part of that initial uh, founding team, including Misty Higgins, Oliver Shinkton, uh, Bethany Chafin. Um, and, uh, it kind of in the day-to-day operations now, largely it's, um, Scott, Tim, and myself, uh, this is zero cost. We are a, on a shoestring. Um, we don't receive one single cent for any of this, um, at all. And any, any funds that we might get, let's say, you know, a couple, uh, dollars per t-shirt sale, just go right back into, uh, promotion um, and into trying to spread awareness. So um, uh, one next step for us as a as a team, I think, may be to look to move into the nonprofit realm and kind of bring a little bit more formalization to uh, this organization and this movement. But for now, it's entirely uh, grassroots. Um, and it is completely free of charge. There's no membership. There's no subscription. Again, and if, if you go to our website, globalschoolplayday.com, you can sign up for free. Um, and coming soon, um, you'll also be able to see right on the webpage a list of past participants and also current year participants from around the world. Oh, that's really cool. So you really get to see how big this thing is. Um, again, Eric, thank you so much for uh, bringing this to our attention. Uh, again, it's globalschoolplayday.com if somebody wants to sign up and it's free of charge. Um, Eric, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that um, you had done a previous episode with us about grading reform. Um, this was back episode 112 and just how you are taking this ambitious um lead, I guess you and a couple other principals, uh, where you guys are trying to reform grades and you are actively doing this this year. So, um, we talked offline, you're going to come back on the show maybe in the future. So we can kind of see how did it go? Like what type of pushback did you get and, and what type of success did you have? I really appreciate that. No, that, and that work has been really exciting and uh, I'll be excited to share, uh, perspectives from staff, students, and parents because already for, uh, months into the school year, we have done work to engage all layers of our stakeholder community. And as you said, partnering with other local schools on this uh, really transformative shift in how we report on student learning. So really excited to talk with you about that in the future. Again, best of luck with GSPD. That date is February 5th. And if you're going to participate as a school, be sure and sign up so they can keep track of you know what type of involvement they have here. So again, Eric, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope that you uh, get out and play on February 5th, too. I know. I need to. That's, I think I'm just going to take the day off. <laughs> I, I, I totally support that. Yeah, right. <laughs> thank, thank you so much again, Eric. Appreciate it.
That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismissed. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.